You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Hey everyone, this is Sherry. And this is Adam. And you are listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Today, we're going to continue our back-to-school topic. We're, we're going to hear from uh, Anthony Michael. He's a licensed mental health counselor for Mercy One, and he primarily works with children. I'm really excited to hear about this just because with going back to school, with COVID, there's a lot on the parents' mind, me in particular, about you know how did this affect my child last March, um, and how is it going to affect them now that they're back in school if we would happen to have to close down again, uh, what we can do as parents if it does happen again, just to support our children. Yeah, so he'll be talking uh, about that and all the things that we just kind of keep our eyes out for as our kids make this transition back to school. And for this episode, we're going to throw it over to our friend Cassie, who talked with uh, Anthony Michael. So today I'm joined by Anthony Michael from our uh, Mercy One Northeast Iowa team. Uh, Anthony, can you provide a highlight of your role um, here at Mercy One for our listeners? Sure. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor and registered play therapist supervisor over at the Mercy One uh, Behavioral Health Clinic in in, uh, Cedar Falls. So I provide mainly mental health treatment to children 0 to 18, um, and that's probably about 90% of my practice. So as you um, mentioned, you're having several conversations with parents and likely their students, and this year certainly looks and feels a little different than um, prior. Um, due to COVID-19, what are some tips for, you know, helping us all adjust to this different approach to the school year? So I think one of the things that I've been sharing with parents a lot is trying to share information as you get it um, with your children. So as the schools start to roll out their plans and their processes, try to be really upfront um, so that kids can, can, can start to process that for themselves. Um, I think there's this natural tendency to not spring anything on anybody. So we, we tend to kind of hold information, wait till the very last moment to get it to them. Um, but this year's going to be a little bit different. They're, they're going to need that prep work to kind of get their minds wrapped around what that environment's going to look like for them. So um, as schools start to roll out plans, as they start to make changes to those plans, um, just really trying to have those upfront conversations with your kids and what that's going to look like and how that's going to impact them. Um, so certainly, I think one of the things a lot of the school districts are exploring or encouraging are wearing face masks. Um, so this can be a challenge with, you know, young kids and becoming part of their daily attire. What are your thoughts on how we can help encourage students to follow this new practice? So, so I, I liked what you said earlier about it not having to be a negative. Um, I think it's really easy to frame it around what's, what's going to make it harder to be in a face mask, and it is going to get harder to breathe, and, um, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to be itchy. Um, but one of the things that we can use this for to help our kids is, is to help them better advocate for themselves. So one of the things that I've been working with all the kids around is, is this year is going to be the most important year for them to use their words. They're going to have to use their words if they have needs or wants that they that they, they need to get met. Um, their teachers are only going to see them from the eyes up, so the idea is they're not going to notice um, the kids that's struggling in the in the in the with the assignments or the the kind of looks of frustration. A lot of times that we cue in on as as adults and parents. Um, so it's going to be really important to help the kids advocate using words, using words, using words. Um, so I've been really really trying to empower the kids to to use your voice. 
Um, if there's something you need, ask for it. So the idea that if your mask is uncomfortable, if you're itchy, if you just need a break, um, being able to walk up to your teacher and, and really let them know that and communicate that effectively. So one of the interesting things is, I mean, most uh, communication is nonverbal. Um, so we're really gonna have to focus in on that. With my young, young kids, um, like daycare kind of age group kids, so my toddlers and stuff, I've really, really had them focus on looking at people's eyes um, and then really working with them and modeling with them, like what's it look like when eyes are smiling? What's it look like when eyes are angry? Those types of things and trying to see if you can get them to just cue in on eyes. So I have a three-year-old at home. And one of the things that, that we work on a lot at home is, is the idea of when we have our mask on, I'll make a face and say, what am I doing? And see if, they can, if she can guess if I'm smiling or, or grimacing or those types of things. So, so those are some things you can do to kind of help the kids get used to the mask is showing them where to focus on and then really getting them to advocate using their words. And I think the other thing that's going to happen with kids too is they're going to need to be more patient with adults because we're not going to hear them as well they're probably not gonna hear their teachers as well. So getting more comfortable with everybody saying, could you say that again? Or could you repeat that? I didn't get that. Those types of phrases, I think if we can introduce those to kids too, it'll make the mask wearing a lot easier. Um, and I know that is one of the uh, questions we've heard, I think even as, you know, in our daily work of wearing a mask, I'm curious if there's um, any other tips as adults we can, um, you know, help to help, help yeah, raise that understanding and. Um, clarity on the instructions we give to our students, you know, maybe when they bring schoolwork home or, or just in their daily life. You know, I see it, I guess I have a five-year-old at home and when we're out in public wearing a mask, um, trying to maintain my patience and repeat instructions and, you know, just reinforce other things gets to be a challenge or, or maybe more time consuming. Yeah, so the idea to me is, is really the modeling piece. One of the things I think we do with parents is we feel like we have to get it all right all the time. Um, and the idea to me is, is one of the best things that we can do for kids is model difficult times for ourselves too. So the idea is if you're at a store with your children or you're at a store with your child and, and you can't hear the, the salesman or whatever because they're in their mask and, and you're getting frustrated or, or how that works, modeling with, with your kid and, 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 and saying, wow, I was really hard for mom to, to hear him. Um, you know, so I had to ask him again what was going on. But, but the idea of really almost talking those things out loud to yourself in a really like kind of open way and modeling for them, the, 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 I call it modeling imperfection. So the idea of, of, of saying, okay, we're not in a perfect world. I'm going to model for you how to handle those imperfections. Um, so as adults, if the better that we can model those imperfections for our kids, the better they know what to do with difficult emotions. And the, and the other big piece to that, too, is then they understand that, that, that they're not supposed to do it right every time, that they can, they, can, they can make mistakes, that adults can make mistakes, and there's ways we can work with that. So, so really the proper modeling of those things is going to be key. Um, and I just kind of think of it as problem solving out loud. So if you're struggling with something yourself, just problem solve that out loud so they can hear how you go through that process. That way they kind of have a benchmark for what they're trying to hit, too. Yeah, I think a great tip for all of us parents as we look in the mirror. Um, and especially, I think, kind of transitions well to my next question about for those students returning virtually or, or perhaps part-time um, online schools, you know, how can we as parents help them, um, you know, get the most out of their online learning experience? 
this is a tough one. Um, I think the first thing, you know, that we have to recognize is that there is going to be a grieving process for the things they're going to lose this year if they're returning online. So social time with friends and some of those pieces, especially if you're older kids, if they're high school kids and, and teenagers, our seniors are going to be a big one. Um, the idea is, is that the, the school year is not going to look the way that they've envisioned it their whole lives. So the idea is, is letting them have that grieving time of kind of the things that they've lost and really just validating those feelings for them. Like, I know it's going to be difficult this year. I know it's going to be different. Um, one of the things that I've seen that's been pretty interesting in a few of the moms groups that's popped up is families are forming pods. So those families that are staying home and choosing to do online education for various health reasons um, are trying to get with like families and basically saying, okay, if you're staying home and you're um, taking care of your family for this reason, and we're staying home and taking care of for this reason, it's matching up pretty well. And our kids are about the same age. Could we get them together for some play date type things, social distance still and all that, but then opening up a little bit of socialization um, with those. So some, some parents are getting really, really creative and you're seeing a lot of that stuff in the cities. Um, where there's a lot of more dense populations and they're really just family forming these pods and it's just kind of like a community bond where, hey, we're going to stay as safe as we can, you stay as safe as we can, and then we can get get together every so often. So those are some things that can help. Um, making sure that you lax. I know a lot of families have a lot of um, like uh, rules around social media time and things like that and the FaceTime, uh, uh, any kind of like uh, Snapchat and those types of things. One of the things is is lightening up a little bit on those things. So if you give your kids um, so many hours of screen time or whatever, realizing that's the only thing they're going to be able to do to socialize. So so the idea of really trying to, to loosen that up a little bit so if, if they can make contact with people virtually, giving them the opportunities to do that and encourage it um, and trying to foster those things happening, um, I, I think is probably the best thing that we can do. Kind of a sister question to this and uh, wasn't exactly planned, but um, curious, you know, as we look to more virtual engagement, any thoughts on how to protect our kids from maybe the websites they shouldn't be visiting or people they shouldn't be interacting with while they're online? So, so one of the best things that, that families can do is create family media plans. So there's a great website to, to help um, start to have families think about how they're going to use technology. And it's an eAIMS thing that was started a long time ago. But one of the things that we want to look at is um, two things, actually. One is joint content. And then what's the family media plan? So what's, what's our plan as a family of how we're going to interact and use media? Um, and, and one of the things that, that we're noticing is that parents are not doing a real good job of, of kind of getting involved with those things from the get-go and selecting good content. I get asked all the time, how, how, many, how much time should my kids be on the, on the online? And what I always tell them is, is it depends because the idea is, is there's a huge difference between playing, uh, learning how to play the game chess online for six hours and playing six hours of first-person shooter games. So the idea to me is it's gotta be content-driven. So one of the things that we look at when we're looking at that is, is um, how are you using technology? And so this is a decision tree around technology usage. It's developed by the Zero to Three Association, but basically it's just a decision tree on content. So if you can answer yes to these questions as you go down, and, but the idea is this is how you go about selecting content. 
and if you can get to the bottom, then congratulations, you, you, you did a really nice job uh, selecting content. So that's one way to keep kids safe, get really involved in the content that they're selecting. Um, the other big piece to it then is to come up with a family media plan. What are we gonna do as a family to use technology? Um, and, and it's really interesting, I went to a conference a while back and they were saying that um, it took uh, 38 years for radio to reach 50 million users. It took 13 years for TV to reach 50 million users. It took Pokemon Go 24 hours to reach 50 million users. So the content is coming at us so quickly as parents that we really have to decide as a family how we're gonna use technology. And so one of the things that we wanna look at is, is what's our family media plan? Um, are there gonna be rooms in our house that are just gonna be not accessible to media or online digital formats? A lot of parents that say, I won't take my cell phone in my kids' bedroom anymore because if I'm going into their room, I should be talking to them, not looking at my phone. Um, are we going to take no screen sabbaticals? So are there going to be some time periods in our family life that we're just going to go no screens? Um, those types of things. So there's a website. It's on healthychildren.org slash media use plan. Um, and, and, and on there, the, the family can ask answer a, a bunch of questions. And then basically, they come up with their family media plan. So how they're going to use technology in their house. Um, and I think those are the two, two biggest things is coming up with a family media plan of how we're going to use technology as a family and how we're going to agree to do it. Um, and then the idea is how do we select content for our kids and what's, how involved are we in that process? Um, and those are the biggest two things to keep your kids safe. Um, the interesting thing about apps, um, we're used to in our world uh, rating systems, right? You take your kids to a G movie, you know the content's fine. Um, for apps and game apps, the, the person who decides what category gets put, put in is the developer. There is no outside body that's, that's policing that. So the idea is if me as the developer says that it's an educational game, it gets put in the educational games, whether or not it has any educational value at all. So they did a, some, some surveys a few years back and they found that 40% of the games, the educational games that were geared for kids zero to five had absolutely no educational value whatsoever. But as parents, they looked at it quickly and said, oh, yep, it's an educational game. Go ahead and download it and play it. And, and, and the idea is we have to do a better job policing that. Um, we have to do a lot better job policing that. So, um, so yeah, so those are some things that you can do around, around uh, media content. Great tip on the apps. And I think um, certainly myself is guilty as a parent, you know, getting ready for a road trip or something. Let's find an educational app or what I thought was educational um, to help pass the time. So we'll definitely need to re-examine that. I'm curious. You know, I think 2020 has certainly been a stressful time on multiple fronts, largely, you know, due to COVID-19. Um, also, you know, we just across several regions of Iowa got hit by the massive windstorms and severe weather. Um, so just there's a lot of, you know, pressure and, and perhaps stress building up. How can, you know, we help students focus on learning um, and, and growing really as, as young people and kind of separating out some of the stress and, and maybe things they can't control so much. Yeah, so locus of control is really important. Um, and, and trying to help kids understand their locus of control is, is really important too. So the idea of the things that you can control and the things that you can't control. So I think that the, the easiest way to do that is, is, is really just helping them kind of with that decision process. So what's the thing right now that, that you're worried about? Um, you know, the idea is, okay, I'm worried about COVID. 
the idea is, well, what, what is, is the virus within your, your locus of control? No, and I can't control how fast this virus spreads. What is in my locus of control? How often I wear my mask, how often I wash my hands, um, if I can stand six feet away from my friends or not. Um, so the idea of having them help through that piece of what's out of my control and what's in my control um, and letting them kind of focus on that. I think one of the best things that we can do is trying to develop grounding techniques and, 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 and really uh, movement-based regulation to, to try to make sure that just every day we're doing something to regulate ourselves and not waiting until the stress is overwhelming. Um, so, so the idea to me is coming up with a practice of movement-based regulation, something I do every single day. Um, it's just a life skill um, that I just do every single day um, to keep myself regulated um, and not waiting until I'm dysregulated um, to step in and try to do something to correct it. Um, so, so when I look at with kids, uh, movement-based regulation is extremely important. We want kids doing things that, that require movement and the things that are regulation activities. Um, there's, I have a whole list of them and I can send them over to you. But the idea to me is if you're going to do homework and you're going to have something to drink, drink out of a straw. Drinking out of a straw is a regulation activity. Um, eating things that are crunchy like carrots and celery, though, that is a regulation activity. For kids, hanging upside down or swinging is a regulation activity. So the idea is if you come home and your kids are hanging upside down on the couch, don't tell them to sit up straight. Let them hang upside down because that's a regulation activity. Um, the idea to me is really building these things into your day, though. Um, it is so much easier to be preventative with stress than it is to wait till you're overwhelmed. Um, so the idea is, is as a family, what do we do every day that just kind of gets us moving and gets us to regulate? We want to look out for hyperarousal or hypoarousal. And what we really want is just to be regulated. We want to be right down the middle. And, and so the idea is the only way to keep, create that balance is to do something every day that kind of keeps us regulated. And, and it keeps us in our basement. So the way that I explain it to people a lot of times is um, – if we don't do things to regulate ourselves, um, if you think of your oven at home, you have to preheat it from zero to 350 or 425 or whatever you're doing. Um, if we don't regulate, we're basically walking around at 200 all the time. So we don't have the distress tolerance then to deal with the frustrations and stressors of everyday life. If we do something every single day to help regulate our system, we can get ourselves back down to zero. And then we have way more distress tolerance to deal with the frustrations and stress of life. So, so really looking at your life as what do I do every day to keep myself grounded, to keep myself centered, and to regulate myself? Do I go for a run? Um, how do I self-soothe? You know, what are the things that I do to self-soothe? And are those things healthy? Because I can, can self-soothe in healthy ways and I can self-soothe in some very destructive ways. So the idea is really how do you balance that all out? So I'll send you this list of some of the movement-based regulation things for kids, but they're kind of fun to do as adults too. Um, so, so the idea to me is get kids up and get them moving. Um, put on some music, um, you know, get them dancing, get them doing things. Um, there's a couple yoga poses that are great. So I mean, um, yeah, so yeah, so I mean, th those are the big things is how do you create a system where Every day you're doing something to stay regulated versus I'm going to wait until I'm buried and try to dig myself out of this hole. And that's something you can start from day one. So those are some really important things, I think, to, to keep kids and adults all kind of good, <laughs> as good as they can be um, going through this. So Yeah, no, we'll definitely put up those tips um, at mercyone.org, too, um, and then extend, maybe share them out on social media, too, just to 
to help everyone uh, find a little balance. Curious, you know, if, if we kind of are past our threshold, what are our, our kids are, what are some signs of, you know, stress or anxiety parents should be on the lookout for? And, you know, if you start to see them or, or have been seeing them for a little bit, what are, what actions should parents take? You know, where can we go for some assistance? Yeah. So, so, so really the idea to me is, is you're looking for um, a nervous system arousal. So a hyper arousal or a hypo arousal. Hyper arousal is more the fight or flight response being activated. So um, you'll see the kind of defensiveness, aggression, um, hyper alert, um, can be kind of anxious, irritable, um, maybe excessive motor activity, so a lot of talking, um, can be all signs of kind of hyper arousal. And, the, and then the idea to me is, is that's when you really want to kick in with the, with the regulation activities. Um, I've got another sheet that I can send you that's, that's kind of how to ground certain parts of fight or flight response. Um, and it really depends on what part of your fight or flight response is being activated because some people shut down and they kind of get into the freeze modalities. Um, and I can give you guys some of those things that you can post as well to the social media sites that's a, for things that, that people can look for. On the other side, then the hypo arousal is more of the depression-y types of things. So lethargic, low energy, wanting to sleep all the time. Um, those are the, the things that you want to see it. The idea is, is you want to be balanced. So if I'm hyper-aroused, I want to do something to kind of slow the body down. If I'm hypo-aroused, I want to do something to speed the body up. So tempos and music and, and those types of things can be really important. So it's really, really, you're just looking for things that would be out of the, the norm. The other thing, though, that not really... Um, I think one of the things that we worry about sometimes, though, with situations like COVID, situations like storms, is there is nothing pathological about going through something tough. So, so the idea to me is it may not be a problem. It may just be somebody coping with the situation that they're in. So, so the idea that we should all be normal through this is probably unrealistic expectation. I think the idea is that we have to, to realize that there's going to be certain levels of times that we're going to go through all of these things. Um, and it's not necessarily pathological. The idea is that we're just, we're, we're going through a really, really tough time. Um, so there's going to be things that we do within ourselves to get us through those tough times. Um, and some of those defense mechanisms are good to get us through these types of times, these certain types of traumas. So I think we need to be, give ourselves enough grace to, to realize that there's nothing written on a wall that says we should be going through this as our chipper normal selves. <laughs> um, the idea is give yourself some grace and, and realize that there's going to be some ups and downs along the way and that's okay. Um, and, and, and I think that that's, that, that would be expected. Um, it'd be the normal grieving process is we've all lost something through all of this. And the idea is there's nothing wrong with grieving those losses. The idea is, is when do you decide as a person that it's, it's enough and then I'm going to move forward and then, then that's going to be, you know, what we can use each other for um, as social beings. So. Awesome advice there. I think, you know, especially as, as we are social beings, you know, um, you know, how do we engage with each other is, is something kind of we, we continue to look and learn for. Um, you know, curious in your thoughts of either you work through this with some of your children or perhaps your, your child isn't kind of open to hearing it from you as mom or dad. Um, you know, when, when should you engage some, some outside assistance there? So, you know, I, I, I say all the time. So, so when you think about it, you know, we've kind of gotten away from it, but we need to get back to it. It is, you know, that old expression of it takes a village. 
um, the idea is 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 for forever we we as we as, as human beings we we did a collaborative uh, environment of raising our children, and the idea to me is involve as many experts as you can. So I get it, especially with like uh, teenagers or preteens, especially they don't like to hear that kind of information from from mom or dad. So the idea is, can you get the youth pastor to come in? Could you get the the you know the the adult mentors that work with them, teachers, coaches. Um, you know, like I said, a priest, um, the, the idea of, of get as many experts as you can in to help kind of with those things. Because sometimes that information lands completely better from somebody else. It might be the exact same message, but the idea is, is it'll land a little bit better from somebody else. So be real tactful. We do not have to provide our children everything. Um, we have to be good enough parents. And part of being a good enough parent is recognizing your limitations and saying, I think it's time grandma takes that one. Or I think grandpa would be better or the uncle or the cousin or the, you know, um, th those types of people and bring them into the fold and let them help uh, parent the kids. Um, we, we've done it for generations. We've, we've brought in and, and, and raised families that way. And the idea is involve the entire community and bring in the people in your children's lives that'll help. Um, and not put all the pressure on yourself to feel like you have to be the one to, to provide all of that. I think the idea to me is I look at intensity and I look at frequency and I look at duration. So the idea is, is if things come and go as waves, you're probably okay. Um, if you start to see persistence where it's days and weeks on end, or it's at an intensity that is just so high it's, it's beyond the, the realm, that's when you want to call like our offices and stuff and try to get some of the professionals involved. So um, I tell people a lot of times the idea is if, if, if within 24 hours it kind of it ebbs and flows, that's probably okay. The idea is if it's persistent and it's stayed on now for, for seven, eight, nine, ten days, um, the irritability is getting to an intensity point where it's just really, really intense and, and we really can't deal with it, that's when you want to call our offices. Um, but we're not the only experts around. I mean, like I said, you got grandma and grandpa, you got cousins, aunts, uncles. I mean, you, there's lots of experts in the kids' lives that can help. So, um, so, so feel free to bring those people in as well. Awesome. Well, Anthony, I certainly appreciate our conversation, both as a parent and um, looking as we, um, you know, look to share some content with other parents across the state. Um, anything else maybe that came to mind throughout our discussion we didn't hit on? You know, I, I really think that the, the idea is that we're all doing this. Nobody's ever done this before. So, so the idea is, is, is really keeping that in mind as you kind of go through it. Um, to, to, we need to be good enough, but we don't need to, to be experts at this or master this. Um, the idea is it's a work in progress and we're all going to make mistakes along the way. And this is a great environment for our kids to learn because um, they get to see that we don't all have it all planned out, that we're not perfect adults. And, um, and the idea is we have to be flexible and, and, and model that cognitive flexibility and say this is, this is how we can do things a little bit different this time. Um, um, finding time for fun. One of the things I think is going to be really interesting when we're all done with this is um, how much more will we appreciate the things that maybe we took for granted before? I don't know about you, but the idea of sitting in a movie theater and seeing a brand new movie again sounds pretty cool. Um, and I think it'll be a completely different experience. Going to an outdoor concert or going to a concert could be a completely different experience coming out of this. So the idea of, of using this as a tool to, to really be able to reflect on, on how more enriched our lives are going to be when this is all over, because this will pass, um, will give us a lot more um, appreciation, I think, for the things that maybe we took for granted before. So um, so there's light at the end of the tunnel. We just got to get there. 
great, great point. And yeah, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to maybe my, my first flight again, <laughs> for sure. Um, but no, again, I, I really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise. I think it'll be hugely beneficial for me and, and parents across the state. All right. Thanks, Cassie and Anthony Michael, for talking to us today. Great information. Hey, you podcasters, we want to hear your feedback. So don't forget to send your feedback by emailing us at podcasts at mercyhealth.com or fill out a submission form at mercyone.org slash podcast. And you can find all of our episodes there. Or if you have a favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, you can find all of our podcasts there too. So check all those out. And until then, live your best life. Oh,